Hey, everybody, time for another Code Pen Radio. It's uh, me, Chris Coyer, co founder of Code Pen, and I have with me Stephen. How are you doing, Stephen? Hello, doing great. How are you? Good. This is, um, we're going to use the word mono repo again. Alex and I were on the show a couple episodes ago, 305. This is 311 now. So, you know, a month and a half ago or so, uh, talking about mono repo. So that might be considered a part one of, for this. That might give you some more background because we're not probably going to talk so much about why and some of the steps along the way to getting there. We're going to talk about the mono repo thing from another angle and probably the front end angle more so. Um, yeah. I guess we're all the angles, but Stephen and I are pretty front endy, and there's definitely some unique concerns to the mono repo from a front end perspective. So we're going to do that. But as a recap, mono repo means that CodePen, uh, dare I say, all of it is in one Git repository. It should it should be all one at this point. Yeah, it's one. There, I think you know, like the blog is separate or whatever. But it kind of like. <laughs> Not to say the blog doesn't matter, but it's like a WordPress site and it feels pretty on the side, you know? And yeah. you know, maybe it shouldn't be someday. Maybe it would be nice to monorepo that so that we could grab the CSS from the monorepo and share it in a nicer way. But it's really not a problem at the moment. Like, I kind of yeah. don't mind the way that it is. So maybe not every, every, every single thing, but you know, 99% of it and all definitely all the big stuff that matters that we work on it every day is one Git repository. So if you're working on master and you pull, you got it all and all, 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 which means our dev environment and all that. Cause that some of that stuff is, is special, you know, like a Docker file and stuff for how it spins up locally and all the, what's the fancy thing we use to run, run our little script to open it up. Tmux. Y'all use Tmux. <laughs> Tmux is weird. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Tmux is like, you get, it's like one tab in your command line, but it gives you extra tabs, but it like fakes them with UI. There's pretty good reasons to use it. I think it's cool because then I don't have to be like, run these eight things in different, (laughs) in different uh, tabs of your command line app. It's just all in one. I kind of like it. But it is weird. Yeah. It feels like you're in a hacker movie or something. <laughs> well, anytime, anytime there's an option for some kind of UI within a command line interface, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a UI type myself. So there's that. It's also, you know, because it's in one Git repo, that means it's in one GitHub thing too, repo, I guess. We will call it, and that's important because GitHub repos have additional stuff that's not just version control. Like the issues are all in one area. The PRs are all one. The branches, the whatever else is offered, the wiki, which we don't use, but other things are just, it's in one place. Whereas before it was split up and then you got to, you basically have like cultural conventions that happen with your company. Like, oh, I know it's an issue on this other repo, but like open it on this other repo over here because nobody checks the issues on that side repo. You know, that's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's tough when something like kind of occurs cross across like different packages, like the processing and the version numbers with like the UI, like, you know, there's, there's just so many different little pieces that all integrate together that the issue might be across all of them, but where do you file that issue? Yeah. Well, the answer is move it all into one repo and yeah, there you go. 
We've been nothing but pleased with the results of our mono repo work. Feels good to be all done there. Uh, and so we talked about sharing code. That was pretty cool. We'll talk more about that in this. We talk about things like, okay, use Prettier. Now you don't have to install Prettier 15 times in 15 repos <laughs> and keep them all in the same settings. I know Prettier is, is like kind of known for like none or light settings, but there's always settings. We totally have settings. There's settings for our linters. Now they're all the same. They rule over our entire code base, linting everything exactly how we want it to without screwing up. So cool. Uh, so what we'll talk about in this one is some choices we made about, how do you even say it? Like, are they packages? Here, I'll set, I'll try, attempt to set this up. Like, this is not user-facing to y'all, but there is different parts of CodePen that we work on that will split up that are, like, totally different worlds. Like, we have a, literally a Next.js part of the app that we're working on. That is not part of the rest of it. I mean, to you, it might look all the same in the end and you won't care and it doesn't matter. But to us, they're to they're different. Like Next.js has its own little build process thing and stuff that's different from how other areas of the site were built. They're just a little bit different worlds. That's for us to deal with, you know. But now you have a button component. Oh, I hate using the button component as an example, but it's been hot on the mind here because we've been doing a lot of stuff with buttons. Oh my God, always with the buttons. You don't want to make a button component in one area of the site and a button component in the other area of the site. You're in a mono repo. Just make one button component. That's the whole Consistency. point. Yeah. So where do you put that though in a mono repo? Do you put it in one and just reference it from the other? No, we decided we're going to make our, I guess you could call it a design system, although it's really just a big pile of components at this point. But it, I don't know. Altogether, it's a design system, but we're just talking about the button component for now. We made a thing and we just called it CP library, like code pen library. And that's a folder and it's a top level folder in the mono repo. And it has its own little conventions or whatever, but just think of it that way. That's where the button component is. Now there's a then there's another folder that's a top level folder that's like, you know, app section one. And then another folder is like app section two or whatever. They're actually called things, but you don't need to know that. How does one and two import the button then? Well, that's, you know, for us to figure out. And that's kind of been the journey, right? A long, long journey. Yeah. But so, so worth it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been very nice to have that. So what was one of the problems with that? Well, uh, getting everything to kind of recognize each other without being published to like NPM. Um, so, you know, typically if you have a package that you're going to install in another package, you publish that first package so that the second package can fetch it. Yeah, you type but, NPM install or yarn i or whatever and just let it, let it go get it. Right, right. But that then has to be public or, you know, registered like with an organization on NPM and like all this just kind of extra stuff that you don't really want to do. You just kind of want that package to be recognized by the other package when they're just, you know, a folder apart. Uh, and so that's where Lerna um, comes in. That's a, that's a mono repo kind of um, configuration, uh, I guess, uh, helper. Um, that helps the different packages know about each other when you're doing a mono repo. 
Um, we're also using Yarn workspaces in that, like Lerna kind of hops on top of that. Um, and Yarn workspaces is the, is the same kind of setup for basically sim-linking packages between each other so that when you when you want to reference that other package, it's just already there and working and it gets live updates. So like if we're on development with hot reload or, or whatever, um, it, it actually will recognize those changes and and make things work. Mm, so that's been right. very helpful. I think Lerna makes the actual sim links, right? That's its job. You run it and then it Well, it. so there's a setting within Lerna to use Yarn workspaces and oh. Yarn workspaces is is what actually does the sim linking. Um, but there's there's like additional stuff on top of mm. Lerna. I, I don't I always know. thought of Yarn workspaces is the one that like lifted our shared dependencies to like a higher node modules folder. So each one of them don't re-download the same crap. Yeah, that it, that's part of the workspaces stuff. Yeah. And then Lerna also, to, we don't need this aspect of it, but a lot of people use Lerna to like go the other direction, right? Like they have a sub package and they want to publish just a little bit of it outgoing, but we don't use that because we don't need it, right? Yeah, so. a, a lot of mono repos, it's it's to have like one code base that all of their packages are, are published from. Um, we're kind of doing the opposite of one package that's published that, that everything else references internally. So for those of you that you have used Next, Next is like a React framework that has a bunch of bells and whistles and stuff. Uh, I consider it, you know, like a, like a lot of bells and whistles. And then some people are like, not very many bells and whistles. So they want they want more. I don't know. But it definitely does some things that are pretty cool, like server-side rendering, right? So you have this React app, but it makes static HTML and then hydrates and stuff. That's a pretty compelling feature to me, I think. Um, other stuff, routing, I don't know. I don't know. You know all the stuff it does. And sometimes you don't even need a router because you just put the pages in the pages directory and you get a router for free. Anyway, it's become a very popular tool. And there's a lot of tools that are modeled after it because of how much success it's had. Uh, we're poking around with it with some stuff, uh, having a good time with that. But it has some expectations of how things work. Next has some part of what makes it easy is that it's opinionated. So if you say, hey, next... I got a bunch of components, but they're not in you. They're not in your top level folder. They're in another folder way over here. And even if you symlink it, you'd think symlinks would just work then. They don't. No. So that's an example of a struggle, you know, because you could be like, conceptually, this makes a lot of sense. We have a button component that lives in this folder that's a top level folder. So it's not opinionated about who it's a part of. It's just a library of things that everybody uses. You're going to have struggles to get different areas of your app to use those kind of components. I doubt that it's unique to React. You know, I'm sure a view app would have these same struggles. You know? Yeah, mo most of it boiled down to Webpack and like transpiling and all that because, you know, when, when you're making a React component library, you're writing components in JSX, but JSX is not, you know, valid JS. It, it needs transpiling. It needs processing and by default webpack and and you know next which kind of layers on top of that will ignore anything in your node modules so even if you use learn it even if you use yarn workspaces and have those packages sim linked together um, it's going to ignore your sim linked package and not 
handle any of those files and be like, what do you want me to do with this less than sign in your JS? And, oh, and so, I see. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't figure and out. And so that that was like a, a big hurdle to to get over. There there was, um, what, what was that? Next transpile modules? Yeah, they have. Package, a, I think. Every time you Google for it, it led you to that. It was like, oh, we have a thing for monorepos. Just use this thing. But it had like, there was like one line of it we needed to monkey patch because it just didn't work with symlinks or, or something like that, which like, you'd yeah. think would be the whole point of it, but it didn't work. <laughs> anyway, so we had a monkey patch copy of it just sitting in our, you know, instead of our node nodules folder, we're like, no, go find it over here. This is the thing we can do. And it didn't feel, how did we even solve that? I thought we still had that, but we must have fixed uh, it. The, the way around it is we kind of went into uh, the next transpile modules code and tried to understand what it was doing. It, it's surprisingly complex um, because it involves Webpack and you know configuring that. But uh, we took out the little bits that that we needed uh, so we could focus it down to exactly you know what problem we were trying to solve, and we kind of actually made that its own. <laughs> little package within our mono repo that now on all of our next uh next js uh packages and and like on our main mm. website package we can actually reference those utilities um to configure webpack to support the the uh transpiling of node modules nice so we just made our own thing which is probably less likely to Maybe less likely to break. We'll find out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever we upgrade next, um, we'll we'll probably run into some issues. Oh yeah, but... we should though. That ten point one release looks really good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I hope that doesn't. Because and we're aware. It's not like we're blindly going into this. We knew the dangers, you know. But this was very important, and we got past it, and we're a couple iterations deep now. So that's feeling okay. Uh, but you mentioned a shared utility kind of thing. All I've mentioned so far is the library. So we have this folder. It's called CP Library. It's where we put all our components. It's basically a, you know, it's a component library. But while we're at it, we might as well lean into that idea and be like, let's make shareable things available all over the place. So a utility is one of those things. If you write a utility that's like, this is a time stamp maker or something. I don't even know if we have Debounce, camel case, all those kinds of simple yeah. little utilities that you use dozens of times throughout right. your code base. And that you are unique to code repeat. pen, right? Because if we, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think we just don't use Lodash anymore, right? We just like. I, I think it's still used in the jQuery code, but we right. don't use it uh, in any of the modern. Most stuff. of them are unique to us in some way. That they were like, you know, so they're in there, meaning that any other project on CodePen doesn't have to rewrite it. They just pull it from this thing. So that's another folder at the top level of our mono repo, CPUtil. These are little utilities that are useful for a bunch of different things. So we put them there on purpose. As you're writing code, if you find a thing like that, then you can just move it over and import it from there. That kind of like feels smart, right? That's part of the like refactoring that goes into a mono repos. You get that like mono repo shiver or whatever, like mm, this should be moved. So you move it there. Maybe not for one case, but as soon as you need it in two, for sure, you better move it, you know? 
This episode of Code Pen Radio is brought to you in part by Jetpack, the WordPress plugin. You know, this podcast, Code Pen Radio, is on a WordPress site, a self-hosted WordPress site. So, of course, we have Jetpack there like literally every single other one of WordPress sites that I work on because I think it's super nice software. For example, it backs up the site and it does it uh, uh, in real time because I always opt for that. I think that's really cool. Uh, it it does a bunch of security work, blocks ma- malicious login attempts. I was writing an article about this and was looking at the statistics because they show you the statistics when you have Jetpack activated. It's almost 10 million malicious uh, uh, login attempts have been stopped by uh, uh, by Jetpack on CSS Tricks, which I thought was kind of awesome. They've blocked 122 billion of them. Uh, uh, overall, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Jetpack also is this powers the search feature on you know all my sites like the CodePen blog and CSS Tricks and Chop Talk and all that. Uh, it's pretty great if you haven't seen Jetpack Search. You know it brings up this kind of full page search experience and it's elastic search power, but it gets smarter over time because there's a bunch of metrics that go into it, like page views. So, for example, if uh, a blog post is really popular, like in Google search results, it'll probably get a bunch of page views that gets factored into how the elastic search results work. So, they ends up being the search results in Jetpack Search are really good. And you have full control of them, so there's no ads or anything. It's all an on-page site experience, and it's not causing any burden on your server at all, which is true of a bunch of Jetpack features. In fact, Jetpack reduces burden upon your server. Like, you can have it do related posts, which is tricky. If you're, like, trying to get that kind of information on a MySQL... It's going to be heavy. A lot of WordPress hosts don't even allow you to run those plugins because they're so heavy and they can slow down your site terribly. But Jetpack does it in the cloud, makes that feature available to all WordPress sites, and it works great. Uh, so the backups, the searches, the image CDN, the markdown integration, the security features, there's just all this stuff. Social media integration features that Jetpack does. It's great. They're celebrating their 10-year anniversary. Congratulations, Jetpack. Sure is nice software. Hmm. So what's the list then? There's CP library, there's CP util, there's CP styles, there's CP icons, there's CP other stuff. So a bunch of like high level concepts that again, you know, that's just matters to us and how we've decided to organize things, each one of them being their own little journey. And we're not even really done talking about library because that was a there's more more to say there. Let's finish that one up before moving on. One of the things I think of was that Rather than start with just one component, like, oh, well, just we'll just put the button only there and then we'll just start from there and we'll build from there. It's like we don't need to start with just a button. We've already built a big old library of components. So I think you did this. You just like picked them up and moved them over there so we could start yeah. using them, you know. Right. Our our main our main repo that, you know, serves the bulk of code pen that, that you see as as the front end um that had its own little library folder in there with stuff like modals and you know different buttons and button types and um you know there's probably messages. like 40 I don't know, right uh, a good a good amount yeah close to that and and so yeah when when we were setting up cp library we kind of moved moved all those components over into it without deleting them from the main repo 
um, because there was a lot of little hitches with with those that um, relied on other utilities that were in the main repo or relied on global styles or just mm-hmm. had weird kind of dependencies, hooks and things like that, that that weren't really library appropriate. So we had to kind of reevaluate a lot of the a lot of the components, rewrite a few of them, or make them a little more standalone. Uh, Button, for instance, was a massive undertaking to just get that away from the global styles and, you know, into a better uh, contained setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contained is a good word. Isolated. So a lot of these components are like the that's the spirit of them. We're, we're doing it on purpose because it it just makes them a lot easier to work with. Uh, and we're, you know, CodePen's an old app. So th- the global styles thing wasn't like a mistake. It was just like where we were with a lot of componentry. So when you go refactor a component to bring it in and we use um, CSS modules to scope the CSS to them, that's been good to us. So p- that particular one was a big journey and we tackled it on purpose first because, hey, you know, why don't you do the hard one first? So now we have the CP library, it's full of components, and we still have our old component library too, which you'd think is like, wow, that sucks. Why would you do that? You know, but it's, it's, it's because we can, then we can move on with our lives. You know, we can use them in the right place going forward. And then we're constantly refactoring the old components to use the new ones. So it's not like we're going to forget about it. It's very satisfying to go delete at uh, one of the old components and, and point it to the new components, some of which need no work at all. They're just identical copies. They're already written correctly. You just point it to the new location, make sure you got all of them, delete the old one, done. But like we said, there's like 40 of them, so it takes a little minute to do it, but each one gets a little easier as you do it. And then in the end, we'll have one location only for all library components feels good and they'll be isolated and we'll be removing um styles that are global but aren't meant to be global like they happen to be global but they are pointed at they only really refer to one component that's what we'd like to get rid of but there are some styles that are global very much on purpose you know, when you set the font family for your H2 tag, I have no desire to tightly scope that to every component in the world that needs that H2. Like, I, I think CSS, the cascading nature of CSS is kind of nice in that way. Setting up basic layout and background colors and stuff, just let that stuff be global. And stuff like setting up a bunch of variables, in this case, you know, modern, real CSS uh, custom properties, as they're called, letting that be set up and be global is nice too for usage anywhere. So we want to share some global styles. So that's its own thing. That's not really a library component. That's its own special journey, right? Yeah, it's it's another little package, top level CP styles, uh, CodePen styles, and that uh, the the way I started with that one was was taking some of the the global um, pieces from from the main CS, CSS of, of the main CodePen um, package, moving that over into this, and then changing those references in the in the other one, and um, that includes uh, you know like the overall global you know font family setup, um, you know basic styles for for 
general components and or not not components but elements um and and move those into that into that self-contained little area so that we could share those then with the next js apps um so that they have all the same kind of fonts and and general setup and uh included in that is you know sas mixins uh for specific breakpoints and uh, all of our colors and theme like the theming kind of stuff that's that's really important to use without uh, throughout. So we we got those moved over, and then that that ran into a whole bunch of other issues with Next.js and the Next Transpile module stuff, where we had to add special cases for the CSS and like drilling down into Next uh, Webpack config stuff to override some of the CSS settings. Uh, but we got it there. The Rails side needed help too, didn't it? Because now that's like the CSS file that's like in this weird location, but it still is builds its assets from sprockets, right? Which is this right, and and that was a that was a whole deal. Like sprockets wouldn't recognize the sim linking from the mono repo, um, so or, or would it ignored node modules, I believe. So we weren't able to use node modules at all within that, and we had to set up our own special symlink for the Rails sprockets styles to be able to import those. Mm. All of our like web, main Webpack process stuff, I think is still able to use the the mono repo technical, you know, symlink, but uh, the Rails kind of compiled. God, you'd think CSS. it's this genius idea. It's like, oh, it's a folder or file that just, it just points to where it is and all computers understand what they are and behave that way. And you'd think it would be just, it would just solve all these weird problems and it never does. Yeah. Introduces a whole, whole new set of problems, but yeah. And they all kind of make sense the more you dig into it, but, but they don't, it doesn't make things any easier, but that's cool to have a CP styles place that and I kind of is the home base for all that kind of stuff you know if we're in 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 in, it's SaaS, so that's one particular piece of technology that still hangs on there but it wouldn't need to be you know if we decided some we're gonna build some nuxt site or something we could pull it in as long as it supports SaaS too that would be fine or if it didn't we could pre-compile it and have a global dot css file and jack that into place you know it's there's there's options there that that was one thing that we we debated a lot with the mono repo packages was should they handle their own compiling and typically if you're like publishing mono repo packages like yes you want them to be compiled so that other people importing them in their in their stuff don't have to worry about that Uh, but for us we didn't want to maintain you know, eight different webpack configs and like, you know, handle things in the right way. Like we, so that's why we spend all the time with the transpile modules stuff and our, our own little utility to, to handle that so that we don't have to pre-compile everything. Yeah. Right. Like you could make our button component could just ship a totally compiled.js file that anybody could consume because it's already been webpacked up together or whatever and part of that is dx too part of that was i want to be able to when i'm working on it if an app i want to go into cp library update a component hit save and have the hot module reloading still work not have to set up then a because i mean imagine if you they were pre-compiled then you'd have to set up a special watcher over there that would always be running watching those files 
And then your other app wouldn't even know that it changed because it's now not watching those files because they assume they're pre-built. I mean, I don't think you can get quite the same DX. So, um, so far we've gone with, you know, whoever consumes the component processes the component. Yeah. The, which is the one, I, the one exception there was the, uh, icon library, which I don't think we've even gotten to yet. CP. No, I don't think we've talked about it, but yeah, it, uh, it kind of does that. It like half does that, right? Like it's still got a, I don't know. You, you remember how it works, you know, it's like a folder full of SVG files that get morphed into components. Right. Our, our old like icon system, we had like a gulp task that took a folder of SVGs and turned it into an SVG sprite sheet that you then referenced with, you know, SVG use, um, uh, XML links and like all that, all that kind of stuff. So moving this over to a package that could now be used across any Next.js or whatever um, setup, we needed a way to like make those SVGs like actually usable in, in React, which is a whole nother thing. But uh, there's a package called SVGR that converts uh, SVG icons uh, into just React components with JSX and, and all that. Um, so we do have a tiny little pre-compile or a, a prepare script uh, in the package.json that converts all those into JS files and, and, and allows them to be imported into the, uh, into the React app in other areas. Yeah, that's pretty darn useful. We like just finished that kind of sort of finished the project that then makes all icons across every single thing in the mono repo use those icons and not the old system. It's pretty satisfying to have one, but the, the places that couldn't use it meant that rather than use the old system and maintain two systems, we just inlined the SVG, which I think is kind of fine because inline SVG is fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and we really don't update the icons very often. It's more that we're adding like a new icon every, you know, yeah. six months or so. Um, but yeah, for those old ones, it, it's all stuff that needs to be rewritten anyway. So it'll eventually die off. It, that's the thing too. Like we're like, oh, we'll do this, you know, we'll just inline them for now. Anywhere I've done that, it, it we're, it's not long for this world anyway. We are still years later still like oh there's a couple areas of the app that still need to be moved to the new stack i'm sure people can relate to that you know <laughs> you just they 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 move but they move slow you know we try to make smart choices for the future here and i think this has set us up pretty nicely for uh, i mean i'm by it i mean the the mono repo in general you know yeah. I mean, even the icons thing, if you really needed to like have them be in a totally different format, at least it's, they're still isolated there. Like you could set up another part of that build process that took that canonical folder of SVGs and made them another format. Yeah. Even if you really needed that gulp smashed together into little symbols thing, you could put it there and have it not really be that bad of technical debt. Yeah. Because they're still based on the same group set of, of components. It wouldn't really be that bad. So that's kind of cool. There's even little things we haven't even sorted out yet. Like all these apps should probably have our same favicon. Where do you put that? I don't know. Maybe we should have CP image or something with shared images across projects. I don't know. We haven't yet because that's a tiny little baby thing. That's like not that big of a deal. But anything that's shared, you do kind of need to think about in that that way. Yeah. So 
Yeah, kind of cool. These are totally different problems than the backend specific problems. Like, well, then how do you deploy stuff? Be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as as long as we have it uh, compiling in our developer environment, we're we're pretty happy with that. Yeah, that's what's cool about these. Like, CP library doesn't need to deploy anywhere. CP icons doesn't need to go anywhere. They are, they just run their own little, their own little worlds and it's totally fine. They're nice and contained. Yeah. And we started this thing talking about Tmux. That can be part of the story too. That, that little like, you know, thing that we spin up that spins up all our other stuff. If CP icons needed to like be always running a watcher or something, I don't think it is at the moment, but let's say we were doing like heavy icons work. You could teach our little dev environment thing to be like, just spin up that watcher that happens to be in CP icons. Maybe make a new little. It, tab it does. Part. It does actually have that that nodemon. Uh, oh, it does. Yeah, so it's, oh, nice. It's watching like so it's the SVG a... files. If the SVGs file change, then it reruns that prepare Rebuilds. script. And it there you go. Exports. We've already done it then. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So it's kind of a. It is a watcher, I guess, yeah. huh? Yeah, I wonder what the cost of that is, you know? Like, do we incur, does it slow down our computers if we run too many node mons? I, I would imagine so. Um, but one, one of, like, the developer environment setups for all of this was moving from having all the node stuff running in Docker to just running on our machines. And that that alone was a huge performance boost, just not having the node stuff containerized, um, but but having it running mm -hmm. locally. Yeah, that's right. God, it's funny how you like, at one point, Docker was the great thing. It still is. I mean, we still use it for a bunch of stuff, but and then the great thing is not Docker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, like server-side right. rendering, client-side rendering. Now we're server-side rendering yeah. again. Yeah, uh, I don't even know what to think about that. I even like stumbled across my words a little bit there when I was saying that the that the hydration thing is is compelling. It is actually compelling to me to know that you can have the kind of the benefits of cl a client side rendering stuff, which to me, I still like it. I don't care what anybody says. I like it when you click around on things and it just feels really smooth. You know, feels smoother than the browser does. If the browser can catch up and make it feel just as good as an SPA, then fine, you know. But for now, I kind of like the client side routing when you can get it. But that if you totally punt on server side rendering, you lose some of that initial rendering speed, you lose SEO quality and stuff. And those are real, those are real things. That's not like I'm just guessing that you're giving up on SEO. You have Google telling you, hey, it's not that we're gonna not index your pages. It's just that we're gonna we're gonna do it about once every seven days or something like that. And then if you change it, that's another seven day. You know, it's just really slow compared to they literally tell you and that. And you get hit on the on the performance rating for your page, which bonks you down. Would a suffer bit too. too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Not great. So uh it's so nice to be able to, to to work in that way that you get all these SPA benefits, but still have all the benefits of server side rendering too. Feels okay for now, but there's a lot of people like th that 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 hydration step is not ideal either. So, what are you gonna do? <laughs> not my problem to solve. I'll just wait for the next iteration of Next that will solve it. Probably with React server side components, whatever those things are. Or just or just wait for the cyclical web development to just come back around to. Yeah, that was yeah, a good idea. For somebody it's, to tell me it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Or for Google to be like, we've invented free electricity. So now the SEO concern is gone. Please feel free to client side render your apps. 
Yeah. Okay, we're off the rails. We better go. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Eight, zero, three, one, eight.